Rafer? Yes, Kristen? People frequently say to you, how do you get so buff? Yes. They, they, they ask that, and you're very modest about it. I try to be. What do you usually tell them when people say, why are you so buff, Rafer? I'd say it's mostly um, eating my children's leftovers. It's a, it's a <laughs> nutritionally packed diet of, of yesterday's fish sticks, broccoli with butter, uh, about a quarter cup of applesauce, and, uh, and the toast with fried egg on top. Mm. Man, I want to go back to your house and eat. Yeah, yeah. yeah often, often, too, if you ever come to the office, uh, Kristen, you'll see all of that packed together along with possibly some leftover Chinese food in a small Tupperware, and that's my lunch. Oh, that's how you get so buff. It's, I call it the garbage disposal lunch. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I've maintained this physique. And is that why you wear Zubas all the time, too? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just to show it off. <laughs> well, of course, the reason I'm asking all these questions about why you look so buff all the time, Rafer, mm. because Pain and Gain is in theaters Pain today. and Gain. It's the movie that shows the dark side of bodybuilding, but not in just a roid rage sort of way, in a more criminal sense. Yes. And we're also going to be talking about another movie coming out today, called The Big Wedding, Star Packed, and we have a very special guest named Kate Contino-Cowett, who's going to come on and talk with us about that movie. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Kristen Meinzer, producer for The Takeaway. And I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday, and this is Movie Date. Well, Rafer, we, we've talked a lot about being buff. Yes. And so I, I think let's just jump right into this movie that's all about buffness. Where'd he go? You see him? Where the hell is he? There he is! You got the wrong BMW? It's two exact BMWs. I told you to check the license plate. It was an honest mistake. So we thought it was the same car. It looked exactly the same. I can deal with his impotence. I cannot deal with your incompetence. Okay, so this is, uh, this is Pain and Gain, based on the true story of a group of uh, criminals in Miami, bodybuilding criminals, who uh, uh, are working at a place called the Sun Gym. They became known as the Sun Gym Gang. They decided, uh, Daniel Lugo and Adrian Dorball, who were the two main ringleaders, decided they were going to kidnap a rich guy, uh, torture him into signing over all his assets and money to them, then just going to move into his house, live his life, uh, spend his money, and of course they would have to kill him. Of course. This is the plan. Um, it doesn't go quite as well as they imagined, but it does work, surprisingly enough, so well uh, at least that they decide to do it again. Um, again, this is a true story based on a series of uh, articles from the Miami New Times by Pete Collins, uh, and it's now a – what would you call this? Sort of a wild, dark, wacky comedy action black comedy directed by none other than Michael Bay, uh, best known for the Transformers films. Yes. Um, the cast is Mark Wahlberg uh, in the lead as Daniel Frequently Lugo. Frequently without a shirt. Frequently without. That's right. <laughs> Frequently without a shirt. I always say, what's the point of Marky Mark in a movie if he's got a shirt on? And he knows it. And and, and he has no shirt on in most of this movie. <laughs> Zuma's no, and no shirt. Many people have no shirt on in this movie, uh, including also <laughs> Anthony Mackie, who plays uh, Adrian, and uh, Dwayne the Johnson, The Rock, as uh, Paul Doyle, which is a fictional uh, sort of composite character, um, not oh. not uh, not a not a real uh, person from the uh, from the Sun Jim Gang. So. Um, 
What, uh, you know, did you know this was a true story when you went into it, Kristen? I had no idea what this was going to be about when I oh, went into it. Okay. I knew there were bodybuilders. I knew there was crime. I, I didn't know that it was a true story. And the opening of the movie tells you straight off the bat, this is all based on a true story. And there are actually points in the movie where it pops up again on screen. There's just text on screen saying, remember, this is still a true this story. This is still a true story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there there are uh, I, I there are some remarkable some remarkably uh, strange things that happen in this movie. M- most of which are true. The the I think the real point of this film, I think, what captured the filmmaker's imagination out of the out of the series of articles, was um, how outrageously stupid the three guys are. They, they are, are very dumb. Incredibly and, dumb. And I have to say that there is a great cameo by a um, – there's a motivational speaker that really gets them going early on. Johnny Wu. And, yes. <laughs> don't be a, a donter. That's be, right. Be a doer. Don't be a donter. Don't. Do be a doer. <laughs> Uh, and, and Ken Jong plays that. The inimitable <laughs> Ken Jong with two two great slogans on his giant poster, his banner. Um, one is "Your friends are losers," <laughs> and the other is "Get off your lazy American ass." Um, and I feel like that quote, uh, in some ways, kind of hints at what this movie is trying to be. This movie makes a lot uh, at the beginning, at least, of being kind of a an indictment or something of American materialism, American greed, this idea that it's your God-given right to have a flat-screen TV and a McMansion and a nice car. And if you don't have that stuff, someone has ripped you off. And, you know, and Daniel Lugo keeps saying, you know, I need, I need money to match this body, man, you know. <laughs> and he, he also has these great phrases, these, these great sort of tautological catchphrases that are meaningless, like, you know, the only way to better yourself is to improve yourself. <laughs> The key, the key to the key, the key to repeat business is new business. Um, so he's got all he's got all these great slogans, and you know he just he picks this guy played by Tony Shalhoub um, of, uh, of Monk of, yes. the, of the Monk series, uh, who is great in this movie. By the way, uh, he picks him. He's just a, he's a local deli owner, somewhat rich. Not you know he's not a billionaire. Just he's kind half of Colombian, a, half Jewish. Half he Jewish. Has- Money in offshore accounts. He's got yeah. a giant mansion. Yeah. He's in, made some investments. You know, uh, he's run the, running this deli near the Miami airport. Um, uh, Victor Kershaw is his name, not his real name uh, in, the, in real life. Um, they kind of adjusted his character a bit. Um, so initially when I was watching this, I was really taken by the energy in it. I mean, it was really – it was wild and loud and funny. You loud. were laughing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and I was surprised at, at, at how dark it was willing to go. Um, did, were, were you with it uh, at the beginning at least it, or it, what? I, in, oh, you seem to think I didn't like this movie. Well, I, I can tell I, by I felt that I felt that there was a – there came a point where, where I – you and I saw this together. I was the only one laughing between the two of us. You, you, you looked a little straight-faced during <laughs> some of the scenes and I was I was to one side guffawing. I would say during the first 10 minutes I agree with you. I thought this is some fun wacky energy and it does this thing that okay, I'm never going to do this again, but I'm going to compare a bodybuilding movie to Goodfellas. Hmm. So, um you know how in Goodfellas you start off with Ray Liotta narrating and then you have Lorraine Bracco narrating, and then you go back to uh Ray Liotta narrating. In this movie, they do the same thing, only they hand the narration off about 14 yes, times. Right, and right. eventually you're like... The oh. stripper, the businessman, the cop. Yeah, everybody, you know, at, at one point, you're, you're just like, hold on, who's 
story is this now? How many more times is this story going to be handed off? Right. I'm tired of this baton race. I don't like who who and and it just it it just went on and on and on. And just when it seemed like something was going to resolve itself, like the kidnapping of the first businessman, that almost could have just been its own story. It felt yes. like. And then suddenly, no, we're going to hold up something else and now we're going to watch the same movie again only with somebody else being held up and yes. things going wrong this time. And I just got really tired of it. By the end, I actually – I remember when we went to the bathroom after the movie mm-hmm. and I told you I was talking with all the broads in the bathroom. Yeah. And every woman in the bathroom, we were all rolling our eyes saying, oh, my God, was that six hours? How, <laughs> how long was that? It's only a little over two. It's, I think it's two hours and ten minutes. Wow. It does feel a lot longer, I have to admit. Yeah. One gal in there said, that's two hours of my life I'll never get back. And I said, I think it was six hours of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> and oh, God. So you really did not like it? No, I mean, I, I I think it would have been great if they would have made it tighter, snappier. It yeah. starts off with snappy energy, but then it quickly just kind of goes all over the place. I, w- I would say um, the one one thing I really want to point out, I don't know if you would agree with me, and, and I'm going to be interested to read the reviews. Um, I thought this was a fantastic performance from Dwayne Johnson. I think Dwayne Johnson like just completely steals this movie in a way that I did not expect. Um, it, he's so he's he plays sort of a childlike, hulking ex-con, very sweet-tempered, very born again. He loves Jesus. Yes. And he wears T-shirts every day that say that he loves Jesus. <laughs> right. In case you don't understand, based on his acting, his T-shirts. So many T-shirts about yes. Jesus. While he while he's babysitting their um, their kidnapped torture victim, um, he's he's always thumbing through a copy of Christian Camping magazine. <laughs> um, but he's so funny, and I think his comedic timing is so good and so deft. It was like this may not be saying much, but I think it was the best performance of his career. <laughs> Um, you loved him in the Tooth Fairy. How uh, can you say that? He was very sweet in the Tooth Fairy, but I mean, this is this is like this seemed to me like 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 an almost masterful comic performance to me. Um, so, having said that, though, my main problem with the film is that it's really mean spirited. It's an incredibly mm, yeah. nasty, dark humored. Uh, film, and I feel like this whole idea of let's look at the dark side of American culture kind of goes away. And by the end, all you're really doing is just laughing at these three morons who are so stupid that they just cause a lot of harm and and grief and pain and and terror to people. And eventually, it kind of becomes not funny. You know, the the, the real life victims um, and some of the kin to the real life victims um, have come forward objecting to this film, saying like, "This was a tragedy. Like we we lost people, and I you know I was tortured you know for days. I was like broken. You know, they tried to kill me. They burned me. They crashed my car. They, you know, and they're using some severe weapons in this movie. Oh, I have to point out, we're oh, talking like chainsaws, yeah, grills. The stuff that happens at the end is taser is, item is I mean, extraordinary. There are things that I don't even quite know what they are. There's yes, wrenches. Right. There's uh, yeah, needle nose pliers. Right there, yeah. and uh, and th- and th- so these people have come forward saying this is not you know this is this is not funny. This is not the proper subject for you know a wacky comedy. And by the end, uh, I don't usually consider myself Mister Sensitive, but by the end, I kind of had to agree with them. I felt I felt like the the movie had a, a certain kind of cruel mockery to it that kind of didn't belong in this story at times. And so ultimately, I thought it was kind of an okay date because it had some good things to it. But in the end, I I kind of didn't care for it. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. So 
not a good date for you. Ah, you know, I was sort of split down the middle. I gave it two and a half out of four. Mm. You know, there were so enough, you liked it better than me. There were, I liked it better than you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was a complete waste of time, but you know, kind of an kind of an okay date, I would say. Mm, I'd say that it was not a very good date. Okay. I, I think this is going to have a long life on. Um, one of those dude channels, like what are the Spike, like Spike TV? <laughs> Maybe it'll be on reruns on Spike TV for the next eighty years. Could be people will be fine. Could it'll be. be on, but um, yeah, I I really wish I would have liked the movie better because, like you, I thought some of the performances were great, but yeah. in the end, not a good date for me, and oh, just a way too long date. You know yeah. when you want it, you want to excuse yourself from the date, but you can't leave the date because he drove. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe so. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about this. All right. All right, but let's move on to something that's maybe full of a little bit more love and a little less hate. Okay. We have the big wedding, and we have our very special guest, Kate Contino Cowett. Hi, Kate. Good morning, Kristen. Thanks for being here, how Kate. Are you? I'm doing well. <laughs> we brought Kate along to this movie because she is a newlywed, and we thought she could bring some fresh memories and insights from her own wedding to this movie. But before we start talking with Kate, let's play a clip of The Big Wedding. She cheated on you first. What? What? Why? What, what do you mean, why? What's her office? How could you? I was really very unhappy at that time. What about me? Well, I don't really care about you. I know you don't. Listen, I don't know what to say. It was practically an accident. It was a long time ago. It was. And now you all have a wedding to go to. I feel so used. Uh, Rafer, you weren't able to make the movie with me and Kate. No, I was not able to make this movie. Um, we had a freelancer do it instead, which I gladly handed off that assignment. Um, oh. I was not expecting great things, but it is quite a cast, right? I mean, yeah, uh, it's De Niro, an, Robert De Niro, Diane Keaton, Susan Sarandon, Susan Sarandon. Catherine Heigl, yeah. Robin Williams, Amanda Seyfried. Oh, Robin Williams? Grace. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just star-packed. This yeah. is a star-packed movie. And it's about it's, – it's highly improbable. It's ridiculous. It's based on a French movie, actually. Um, we have an ex-husband, ex-wife, played by Robert De Niro and Diane Keaton. And they have to pretend to be married again, even though they're exes. They have to pretend to be married again because the biological mother of their adopted son is coming to town for this son's wedding. And she's a very uptight Catholic and she doesn't want her son getting married when – uh, there's divorced people around. She wants everyone to have solid marriages and so on. So they're going to pretend to be married again. One of the big problems is that Robert De Niro has a girlfriend, a living girlfriend played by Susan Sarandon. Ah. Yes. And so, of course, wackiness ensues. Before you know it, everyone's sleeping with everybody. Everybody's fighting with everybody. Yes. And uh, there are a lot of lies, lies that might have to be resolved through complicated situations and through love. <laughs> <laughs> You're making it sound better and better. <laughs> so should we find out how Kate feels about this movie first? Yeah. Okay, Kate, tell, tell us how you feel about this movie. We, I have to tell everybody, Kate and I did have a couple of Cosmos before we saw it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Cosmos and the cast were the only saving grace of this movie. Uh, I mean, they're terrible people. <laughs> The people, the characters themselves Especially are terrible. Especially the, the, the adults, the parents. They're just horrible people with – I mean their only redemption is that they actually care for their children and each other. They're just really terrible at showing it. And if the cast had been of any lesser quality, it would have. I would have probably asked Kristen to leave. I mean, let me ask just ridiculous. Here's one question. I'm just again, since I'm ignorant of this movie, but listening to Kristen's uh, synopsis, um, 
how, we've got the the biological mother who's a strict Catholic. How is she? How is why does she have a son that she is not the mother of? So there's this little clip where they, you know, remember those commercials when you're a kid, like Save a Child, and I feel like Susan Sarandon actually pitches for one of them. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but so they, they they like, you know, they somewhere in their marriage when it was falling apart, they see this commercial with this like maybe six year old version of their youngest child Alejandro, and they adopt him. And, like, so the mother, this Colombian religious mother, chooses to give him the better life in America. Oh, I see. Okay. So he has – they have two biological children who appear to be in their, like, mid-30s and 30. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have this this third adopted child, Alejandro, who's probably mid-20s, getting married to Amanda Seyfried's character. I see. And so the biological mother seems to have been in his life his whole life. Like, there was phone calls and visitations even after his adoption. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Um, And – so, I know. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> the, the look on your face, Drafer, if only we could hear that on the radio. I know you're just thinking this premise makes no sense. How no, is this actually a movie? Yes. It I actually, yeah, I know. It's it's totally ridiculous. And then um, on top of that, we have the three kids. As Kate was mentioning, we have uh, one, bio, or one adopted, two biological kids who've always kind of had issues with the parents because dad, played by De Niro, is kind of a slut. He's, he's mm. an artist. He's a sculptor. He's never been very faithful, not just to his marriage, but to his family. And a lot of this is really about the adults, not about the kids. And then as far as the kids go, there's some wackiness there. There's some sex. There's some other things. But it's really most of the wackiness and sex, I I would say, the parents. Would you agree with me, Oh, Kate? okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole – the middle child, uh, played by Topher Grace, is a 30-year-old version who's also um, – a baby doctor. He delivers babies. What's that called? Uh, uh, like, OBGYN? Yes. Okay. So he's a 30-year-old <laughs> version who's also an obstetrician. And, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's Topher Grace. You can almost see his that 70s show character awkwardness right. shining through in this adult version. And I think that's actually true for a lot of the actors you can see earlier roles, which was disappointing. But, so, I mean... Why was that even in there? What did it add? I mean, is it they didn't even like is it the damage that his father inflicted by being unfaithful? Did that happen at some quintessential point in his life? Like, right. I got sidetracked by that because of the movie wasn't really holding my interest. But I, I also felt that it was just completely pointless. Yeah. Except for that it allowed it allowed uh, the thirty year old version to hook up with the adopted brother's biological sister. Who also shows up at the wedding? Oh, okay, okay. Well, did, I mean, did this? Did, did you having been married recently? Did this sort of was there anything that kind of connected with you or resonated with you? That because you know, a lot of times, if I, for instance, if I go see a movie about kids, even if the movie is just total garbage, there's going to be at least one scene where I go, "Aw." Because I, I got kids, too. You know, they, they, they always get you somewhere. Was there at least anything in this movie that kind of got to you? Yeah. Let me start by saying that I love my family and my in-laws. You know, blessed with amazing parents on both sides. But there was a scene Uh-oh. in the car with Amanda Seyfried and um, the fiancé. And they just look at each other after some crazy situation at the country club. And, like, can we elope now? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, my husband and I must have said, that, you know, half a hundred times. I mean, not yeah. that we really wanted to. It was very important to share our big day with our family. But 
it's really stressful. Oh, I mean, I mean, and is that what the, does this movie get into that? Because that's what that's what I remember about the wedding was the was the planning, planning, planning. I actually felt like it ignored that aspect and really just focused on the drama between um, between the parents. Oh, okay. Both okay. both the uh, the bride and the groom's parents had a little bit of drama in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like one of the, it's, you said it was based on a French movie, so it's probably one of these yeah. kind of French, French Boulevard comedy, you know, play kind of things, right? The French are weird. The French are weird. The French are weird. The French movie is called Mon Frere Saint-Marie. I can't pronounce French. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice try, Everybody, though. that's really bad. I sound like Chef Boyardee. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I do every language with my Chef Boyardee accent. Mon Frere Saint-Marie. Was Chef Boyardee French? No. no. I thought he was Italian. <laughs> Whatever. It's all the same to me, you know, over there. The, the French would be horrified to hear you drawing comparisons between their, their cuisine and SpaghettiOs. Oh, delicious. <laughs> But, you know, the movie, to, to go back to the wedding planning aspect, yeah, wedding planning based on all my friends, I've never been married before, but I've helped a lot of friends with their weddings. I've actually been a bridesmaid like 20 times. And I would say that everybody I know who gets married, the wedding planning is the toughest part in this movie. It's really focusing on this deception is the hardest part. Yeah, that's what sounds you gotta interesting. You've got to deceive your family. got to deceive the family. got to make all the distant relatives happy. And yeah. it really seems to me as I was in, in, in the halls at the office of the day and, and my, my fellow critic Robert Levin at um, AM New York said, um, you know, this is really the kind of film that could have been solved with just one sentence. All, all, somebody, <laughs> all somebody needed to say is, by the way, mom, they're divorced. <laughs> And then that would just kind of be the end of it, you know? Oh, but then there wouldn't be all the wackiness and the hookups. I mean, right. there, are, there is a lot of middle-aged sex and other sex in this movie. And I'm a huge fan, as all movie date listeners know, of the middle-aged love story. Yes. I just – I have a special warm place in my heart for people over 60 who still get it on. Yeah. I mean, in the first five minutes of the movie, we're about to see a little bit of on-the-kitchen-table action between Ho -ho. De Niro and Susan Sarandon. Oh, all right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's quite racy. But I love all that stuff. But – you're right. You're right. One sentence would have yeah would have really would have really would have really done it. So, um, but 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 Kate, you at least thought the acting was good. Was Diane was Diane Keaton good? Because I love Diane Keaton. She was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. She really, we're pulling pulling teeth to get anything no. good about this movie. Diane Keaton gave a gave a really good performance. I believed her as this like horrible slash loving mom who had been you know horribly hurt by the love of her life and her best friend. Um, you know, my best I, friend uh, is Susan Sarandon. I see, I yeah. see one of those. Like, yeah. I, I bought okay. that. Um, I didn't buy the hookup with her and Robert De Niro. I, I was disappointed that they'd be that bad. Like that's uh -huh. terrible to their friend and their lover and their, their girlfriend and best friend. And I just right. But I guess they had to scratch the itch. Yeah. Make sure it was over. I I didn't get it, yeah, and I could have gone my whole life without shirtless Robert De Niro at this age. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, I have to ask you, Kate, because there are so many hookups in the movie. Did that happen at your wedding? Did guests meet each other on the dance floor, or did a bridesmaid and a groomsman see each other across the room and decide that they needed to, you know, get, go down by the lake, if you will? Um. Well. We didn't really do a party, bridal and groom's party, but all of the folks that were, like, involved in the wedding were married. Um, so I would hope that they had hookups after yeah. our wedding. I mean, we threw one heck of a party. Um, that doesn't count if you're married. That's, <laughs> that's unless, not unless the that's same. Unless that's with somebody else's spouse. No. Like in and, the movie. <clears throat> and there wasn't 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I couldn't say yes. I don't think so. I haven't heard any like tawdry stories about things that happened at no, our wedding. You would have heard. I think I you think would have heard. I think so. There also wasn't like a big hotel contingency. We we got married in Brooklyn and most of the folks lived in Brooklyn or, right. you know, commutable distance. And the second one was at my parents' house. The folks that came from out of town, we all like camped on the side yard and everybody else went home. So Two weddings. Two weddings. Yeah, wow. Two okay. weddings, no funerals. We hopefully. wanted to make sure it stuck. <laughs> and both your weddings were better than the big wedding. Absolutely. Okay. All, All right. right. So if you're going to give this a final judgment, Kate, would you say this movie is a good date, a bad date, a mediocre date? I would say if you're planning a wedding, do not see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you've gone through a wedding and you want to laugh at someone else's pain, it's an okay date. Ah, okay. All right. And you, Kristen? I would say, you know what? I'm going to use the same analogy I did with Pain and Gain. Someday this movie is going to be in very high rotation on Oxygen or on TBS. <laughs> sure, of course. And that Sunday afternoon when you're wearing your sweatpants and you don't really feel like leaving the house and you decide maybe 11 in the morning isn't too early to drink champagne, you're probably <laughs> going to be fine that this movie's on constant loop repeat. But I, I, I wouldn't make a special trip to this date. This is the kind of date where it's like, yeah, I'm not trying to look pretty. I'm wearing sweatpants, and it's fine. <laughs> this is yeah. This is faint praise, as I as I suspected. <laughs> the cast suspected. is outstanding. I will say the cast outstanding. I feel that I dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you missed the movie on purpose. Right? <laughs> I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> All right, before we go, let's go over our trivia questions. All right, so last week we asked in honor of the company you keep, the movie about the weatherman, the um, what would you call them? A te- domestic terrorist group? You could call them a rebel- I, think that's, I think that's probably I, fair. There's a lot of, you know, the activist rebellion group, <laughs> okay. whatever you want to call them. That's the kind version. <laughs> the, kind, the, kind, kind, the kind version is activist. Yeah. <laughs> well, in real life, the weatherman blew up a townhouse in Greenwich Village, and we asked which famous Oscar winning actor lived in the townhouse right next door. And. We, we gave a hint also. We said, this actor just happens to have starred in a movie with Tom Cruise. Who was also in Oblivion, so we sort which of... Which we discussed last week. So what is the name of that actor? What is the name of the movie that he starred in with Tom Cruise? Ken wrote in right away, and he said that living next door to the building that the weatherman accidentally blew up in Greenwich Village in 1970 was Dustin Hoffman, along with his first wife, Anne, and their baby, Jenna. And he starred with Tom Cruise in one of my favorite movies, Rain Man. Now, it didn't stop there. Ryan then wrote in and said, to clarify, the weathermen were not making any kind of political statement by blowing up the building. Rather, they were killing themselves by accident. The townhouse was their bomb-making lab, and something went terribly wrong. And then Ken says, that is correct. (laughs) No. Their intention was to use the bomb to make a statement. So we love a rich conversation on our yes. Facebook page. Always feel free to log on, become our friends at facebook.com slash podcast. And um, as we've been doing recently, we also put up a bonus trivia question this week. Uh, Rafer and I each got sent a promotional package in the mail. We frequently get promotional packages yes. from the movie studios. And we each received in this promotional package an energy bar in a shiny red package. It's called the Marked Bar, M-A-R-K-E-D. We took a picture of this energy bar, put it on the Facebook page, and asked which movie this energy bar was promoting and which movie star's charity the sale of the energy bar supports. 
the very first person to write in, and very, very quickly, our good friend and uh, longtime listener, Sean Proctor, wrote in that it was Payne and Gain and Mark Wahlberg. Yes, good job. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for um, for writing in. I thought I thought we'd lost you since I was so mean to you about that one question that you asked a long time ago. <laughs> which about, was about steroids. Which was, by the way, about steroids and uh, and, and performance enhancing drugs. So I, I I apologize if I was dismissive of that. But I'm glad I'm glad that you are still with us. I've been I've been looking for you. Yes, we um, love you, Sean. So thank you. Um, also, uh, and he, and so here's one. Here's one. Here's one for Sean and for anyone else. Uh, this week's trivia question, um, uh, in honor of pain and gain. What is the first major studio film about steroid use and roid rage? The first, the first mm. big studio Hollywood drama about steroid use and roid rage. Here's a hint. The year was 1956. I didn't even know people used steroids back in the 50s. Oh, yes. And here it was – well, it was very new then. Mm. And here's a clip. You see, dear – my wife and I aren't used to places like this, so it's only fair to tell you that if we don't get a whole lot of high-class service, and in a hurry, there's likely to be a terribly embarrassing scene in this sanctum. If you know that film, 1956, the first, the first major drama about roid rage, give us a call, 5717-MOVIES. 